the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, it's Friday. We have made it through the week. We've started to reopen Arkansas, so a lot of different things happening uh, thus far in the state. Uh, Yesterday, the governor came out, going to reopen gyms uh, slowly, but they're going to reopen now. Going to have to have uh, 12 feet uh, social distancing uh, in gyms, and if you're working out, you can... uh, I guess take off the mask, but if you ha- if you're not working out, you got to put the mask on. Uh, so that uh, that's that's all going on right now. So Governor Hutchinson is uh, rolling open the state again, and this is a good thing. Mo- uh, tomorrow, I think I heard, or maybe today, maybe it's today. They're going to say uh, about the salons because look here. Let, let's be honest. We're in the South. We're right. Right here in the middle of the Bible Belt, there is no way the governor can announce that churches are going to be allowed to reopen a week from Sunday if women can't go and get their hair done because they haven't been able to get it done in weeks. That just and he knows this. All right. He knows that that won't cut it. So they'll be opening the salons, and, and we'll see what's going on uh, about that. Nationally, the big news right now is that uh, Vice President uh, Joe Biden, presidential um, nominee, Democratic nominee, uh, Joe Biden, will be on MSNBC today to talk about the— uh, uh, sexual assault charges, not charges, or uh, uh, sexual assault uh, statements that have made been made by Reed. And, uh, man, if he doesn't do good, I'm just going to tell you, if he doesn't do good, there's something wrong. I mean, he's had five weeks to get ready for this. Speaking of five weeks, uh, it's only been a couple of weeks since we've had Liz Harrington on from the RNC. She joins me today. And, Liz, tell me. Joe Biden better hit it out of the park today, hadn't he? Having five weeks to prepare about what he's going to say, he better not look at the at the uh, the camera and just start babbling as Liz Peak likes to say, word salad. <laughs> I'm I'm not so sure because you know they had a lot of time too when this whole uh, 
self-quarantine started, and he still needed a, a teleprompter. It's gotten worse since then. He's got his notes, and he's constantly looking down at. And, by the way, are we really expecting – it's not like he's going to have a hard-hitting interview here on Morning <laughs> Joe. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> so, that's I sure. mean, yeah, he better, but he better knock it out of the park. But does he ever? I don't think he ever does. Yeah, I can just see him saying something really dumb, though. I mean, he has some, he just has a way of sticking his foot in his mouth all the time. And I'll be watching to see if he, if he does if he does that. Uh, the other big story, and I saw a good friend of mine this morning on uh, Maria Bartolo- uh, Bartoloma on Fox Business, and Bud Cummins was on. And uh, Bud Cummins was talking about this whole Flynn story and how it makes him just want to puke about what has happened to uh, the law as far as uh, the federal government is concerned. I mean, this if we thought that the FBI had been painted with a, 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 an ugly brush, uh, the amount of mud on them now is just incredible. And now they're saying, well, there might be charges. Might? There just might be charges? You've got to be kidding me. It is. It is so disturbing. I mean, we've known a lot of what was going on for a very long time. But, I mean, the idea that they just put it there in writing, uh, yeah, let's let's get him fired. Let's get him to lie. And the amazing thing is that note that says, you know, do we want truth admission? Yeah. What would the admission be in this case? Oh, I don't know that an incoming national security advisor for a duly elected president of the United States was doing his job mm-hmm. and the Obama administration, what were they doing? They were spying on them and unmasking and leaking and trying to sow chaos and, oh, maybe we can catch him and trip him up and see if he doesn't remember. I mean, this is ridiculous. Yeah. This is not, and, and the real scary thing is these defenders on the left still, the like Benjamin Wittes of the world, the people that have been, you know, really pushing this conspiracy nonsense from the beginning, who say, you know, this is standard practice, this is standard procedure. Well, I actually bet it is for power-mad prosecutors just out of control at the Department of Justice, the Wisemans of the world. Yeah, this is what they do. They invent crimes. They manipulate the legal code. They go after people with political agendas uh, because they're power mad. I mean, that is what's going on here, and it's it's so disturbing, and there better be consequences. Hopefully this thing gets thrown out today. Yeah, it better. If not, Sullivan should be de- uh, disbarred, to be honest with you. I mean, what is the crime here? I mean, the crime is on the other side. They set him up. I mean, why is it okay? You know, the the supposed crime is lying to the FBI. Well, Andy McCabe, he lied to General Flynn when he said, oh, you don't need a lawyer. Well, (laughs) what were they doing behind the scenes? I mean, this whole thing was a setup. And it's a, you know, this is a guy who served his country, and the only crime he did was going to work for the wrong president. Because, yet, yeah, make no mistake here, they were always after President Trump. That they would use anybody to get 
to get to him. And if General Flynn was standing in the way, they would do anything to throw him to the side. And this cost us, I mean, think about what it cost General Flynn. It cost this country three years uh, wasting, you know, how much taxpayer dollars on this charade. They tried to discredit and overturn the results of our votes. That's what's so disturbing. Why? Because they thought they could. And that's what James Comey said. You know, oh, why? You know, I wouldn't have probably sent him over during Bush or Obama, but eh, I thought I could get away with it. Well, they better not get away with it. Yeah, you know, you know what's really interesting today, a big story that has come out, and everybody has been declaring that Trump won't get reelected now. A lot of people saying his day has come. It's now gone because of the coronavirus and everything. Did you see what uh, Gallup found? Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't. Yeah, the Gallup poll says that Trump... His approval has tied his highest ratings ever at 49% with an eight-point jump jump coming from independent voters. That's great. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Look, I mean, the media, they never stop. I mean, they should. This is the biggest. I mean, what we were just talking about is the biggest scandal. It's the juiciest scandal if they actually cared about covering news in American history, it's certainly in the modern era, and it's not, it's not on MSNBC. I have it on mute. What is it in the corner? Oh, upcoming, you know, Joe Biden. <laughs> oh, there you go. Can't uh, wait. You know, oh, they're, oh, now they're spinning a new tale. Oh, Trump contradicts intel community on origins oh, of geez. virus. Yeah, what intel community? The ones yeah. that were leaking for the Obama administration. President Trump's going to continue to do what he's always done, which is put the country first and work for the American people and do what's right for us, for all of us, regardless of if you voted for him or not. And it's sad because the media and the Democrats, they'll do anything to work against that, to, to try to see him fail, to try to, you know, call him out for things that, you know, they never correct a record when they're wrong. No. Nope. You know, what, what all that stuff about the ventilators, you know, oh, you're going to need millions of ventilators in New York City, you're going to need 30,000. He said, well, no, I don't think so. Uh, he was right about that. And he delivered anyway. And the amazing thing is he delivers on all of these things in such a, I mean, it's warp speed. What he's talking about with the vaccine now, but I mean, it's incredible to see the people he's brought in, the job they've done. And when this is all said and done, we'll look back and see just how even better job we thought than we thought he did. Because that's his interest. His interest isn't politics. It isn't games. It isn't, you know, what the Democrats always do, which is what is their political agenda? That's all they care about. And look what Nancy Pelosi's done throughout this process, blocking relief time and time again for small businesses just to try to get her political agenda through. That's yeah. what people are so sick and tired of. And the media is never going to give them a fair shot, but I'm happy to see the approval high because 
you know, and that means we're getting through, and he should keep doing the press conferences. Yep. Uh, regardless, you're never going to get fair questions from the media, but it really shows their intentions, doesn't it? Yeah, that's what's the, that's the key. The key is I, I watch them every once in a while. I don't watch them every day. I can't put up with it anymore. You know, what's really disturbing to me is that uh, – you know, 50 years ago, I was in college studying journalism because I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to get out and and uh, tell the truth about what was happening. I wanted the facts to be known about whatever was going on. And I look at, at journalism now, and it makes me want to hurl. I mean, seriously, I can't watch any of that stuff without uh, throwing up in my mouth some. It's just disgusting what they do now. And it's so hostile. It's so rude. Yes. And they're talking to the president of the United States. I just never seen in the Oval Office, you know, the other day, uh, I think it was earlier this week, they're just, you know, yelling, yelling yeah. like nasty questions. And it's just, you know, take a little breather here. Like, what is even going on? I mean, if you're that too hysterical and emotionally attached, uh, the subject, uh, maybe you should be, you know, reassigned and reporting on do something else. That's, and what we were talking about earlier with General Flynn, and this is the real problem because it never would have been possible without a compliant news media that was taking these corrupt criminal leaks and reporting them, and now they need to own up to it. Were they just too lazy and stupid to check? Were they too prideful and didn't want to admit that they got everything wrong in 2016 so they believe anything, even a crazy conspiracy theory that the election was stolen with Putin? Or were they actually corrupt, as corrupt as these Obama and Biden intelligence officials that were leaking? And that's the there's only three possibilities here. And, you know, we're waiting. We're sitting here waiting to see Joe Biden answer these questions, as he finally should, uh, about Tara Reid. But when are they going to ask him about this affair as well? Because he was in that Oval yeah, Office he was in the on Oval January Office. 5th. And it's very obvious that the administration knew what was going on. Their names are mentioned in the memos. POTUS wants to know everything. Well, let's ask him. Let's ask what Obama, maybe they can pry him off the golf course while we're all stuck in quarantine in D.C. Maybe they could ask him a question for once. Throughout this whole thing, he's, you know, he's gotten away. Obama's never even mentioned in this scandal. Like, it's Mm -hmm. separate. Like, it was just this rogue FBI and this rogue DOJ and this rogue CIA. And then you're like, wait a second. And DNI, you're like, wait, it was everybody. It was every agency. Who was at the top? And who was in that Oval Office meeting that Susan Rice sent an email to herself saying it was all by the book? on Inauguration Day. Give us a break. Liz, have a a break for just a moment. i got to take a break, uh, pay some bills, and we'll come back and finish up our time together for this uh, Friday morning. Liz Harrington from the Republican National Convention joins us today on the Dave Ellswick Show. 
We continue a final few moments here with Liz Harrington from the RNC here on the Dave Ellswick Show on a Friday. Getting ready for your weekend weather today, mostly sunny, 81. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, 83. And then Sunday, uh, clouds move in, but still no rain, 80 degrees for a high. And when you get back uh, to work on Monday, it will be sunny, humid, and 86 degrees. And currently... In Little Rock, 52 degrees, shooting for 81. Liz Harrington is our special guest. Liz, a final question for you today. Let's go back again and remind people what we said, because it's not being reported enough. And that is that Obama has his fingers all over this Flynn investigation. I mean, this is a man who fired Flynn and then, uh, from what I understand, called the president's administration and said, oh, you don't want to hire this guy. I don't know what the, what the man kind of knows, but evidently Obama didn't like him at all, and he wanted to know what the man was talking about and what Strzok and all these guys and Comey were up to. But nobody, the press, if, if look, look, let me just make this point. If this had been during the Nixon administration and a... a uh, uh, a memo had shown up in John Dean's folder, and it said the president wants to know everything that's going on. How do you think the press would have responded to that? Exactly. And it's not as if Obama didn't have the track record. I mean, let's remember what this administration did. And, of course, they were capable of doing this. We know they did it. But they spied uh, or they attacked their opponents with the IRS. They targeted uh-huh. them, stripped them of their nonprofit status. Uh, they spied on their opponents in Congress when they were trying to get through their uh, absurd Iran nuclear deal. Oh, it was just an accident. They got swept up because they were listening into Israel. Hmm, really? I mean, they <laughs> used the State Department tax, at taxpayer expense to meddle in Israel's election because they were trying to not get Bibi Netanyahu reelected. I mean, this was a they, – this – Administration, I, when they always say, oh, we're scandal-free. I mean, in what world yeah. this is the most scandalous administration? And it was all lies. You know, looking at the the notes that were released yesterday, the the memos, they the case they opened against Flynn had no basis in fact. It was all based nope. on the bunk dossier, which they knew was funded by Hillary. It was made up garbage in the DNC. They, even they, though, even people at the FBI said, we didn't find anything. Let's close the case on January 4th, 2017. Oh, and here comes Peter Strzok, who was texting, POTUS wants to know everything with Lisa Page. Mm -hmm. He says, no, 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 we got to keep this open. January 4th. January 5th, there's a meeting with Comey and Susan Rice and Sally Yates and Barack Obama and Joe Biden. And I think McCabe was there, too. And let's find exactly what they talked about, because then suddenly there's a Logan Act narrative. It's so ridiculous. This is a law that shouldn't even be on the books. People think it's unconstitutional, and it's never been used to prosecute a single American. But that's what they used as a basis 
to go against Michael Flynn when he was doing his job. The whole thing stinks. You know, it's a real vendetta against him. And it was a real vendetta against President Trump. They laid so many booby traps and tried to sabotage a new administration. It's yep. amazing. Nobody else would have been able to get through it. And this, the ways of Washington, it's a really disturbing town when you look at the, the disgusting details. But yeah, President I Trump, agree. only an outsider could get through it. And he, he has and he will continue to do it. Liz Harrington, thanks for the time today. I know you got a bunch of interviews planned. Uh, have a great one. Hey, you too. Thanks. All right. Liz Harrington from the RNC here on the Dave Ellswick Show. News is next. When we come back, Mark Lauder, buddy of mine, will join us. All right. We continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Mark Lauder should be with us in just a few moments. Going to talk to him about uh, the reopening of America business um, and that's going to be an interesting discussion with Mark. He's uh, really good at taking things like this and and uh, putting them in bite-sized pe- uh, pieces for folks. You know, I I got to tell you, I get I get fed up a lot of time. People talking about, well, this person went to Harvard, this person went to Yale, this person went to Columbia, and it, it's like because certain people have gone to the Eastern schools. Uh, what they have to say uh, is much more important than what anybody else has to say uh, that has done any kind of higher education. And I I just look at our country and I go, yeah, all these Harvard-trained people, look where we're at. Look where we're at. I I just don't think that... uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I don't think uh, because you have a degree uh, from Harvard or uh, or if you're from Yale or whatever, that somehow uh, that gives you the uh, inside track on all the great ideas of the world. Uh, and that's not me. I don't. In fact, I'm getting kind of to the point that if I see somebody's, you know, running, uh, you know, for election, if they if they have a quote, pedigree that they went to, uh, you know, some kind of Eastern uh, higher learning, I, I, I back away from them. I think that, uh, but look, who am I, right? I mean, I'm just a guy that grew up in the Midwest. I'm a guy from Indiana. Uh, I'm a guy who was born in Gary, Indiana, of all places. And uh, what do I know? Well, I can tell you what I know. I was brought up, uh, I got a good education myself. I was brought up by a father who only had a third grade education, but had more common sense in his little finger than a lot of the people that I see in Washington on a daily basis. Another guy like that is Mark Lauder. You know, Mark's a Hoosier, too. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing well, Dave. How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing fine. I mean, I'm. I just was pontificating while I was waiting for you. I'm. I'm, I'm tired of being told how you know people who go to the Eastern Seaboard and get their their education somehow are so much better than the rest of us. And I just think that the Midwestern common sense people are the people that that do better. I mean, look how well you know uh, you know Vice President Pence has done uh, with this. Uh, uh, the pandemic. I mean, the worst thing that the press can get on him is that he didn't wear a mask at the Mayo Clinic. Come on. 
<laughs> you know, and the funny thing is, is that for all the grief they're giving him, you know, the actual recommendations, let's remember from the CDC, they are recommendations. Yep. And because he is so regularly tested, uh, it, it is actually wearing of the mask is to stop people who could be expo- who could be asymptomatic and have the coronavirus from spreading it to other people. He's regularly tested and doesn't have it. So it wouldn't apply to him. Yeah, he's just he's just a smart guy. You know, you know, I've known I've known Mike for a long time. He and I worked together up at IBC. That man knows what he's doing. He's a smart cat. Get out of his way and let him do his business. I mean, did you? I just mentioned to to, to Harrington that uh, the latest Gallup poll shows the president right now at his highest ratings ever, forty eight percent amongst uh, independents. And and the Democrats think they're going to win the White House? These people are delusional. No, you're absolutely right. But this is also nothing that we haven't seen before. You know, you, you take all of these polls, which are, are are flawed for so many reasons, and I can't. We can go into all of it, but they were wrong in 2016. They are going to be wrong again in yes, 2020. Yes, they are. And and when we get this country open again and as we see economic activity coming back to this country, it's going to be a very easy choice. Do you want the guy who built the rocket ship for this economy doing it again? Do you want the guy who led the slowest recovery since the Great, since the great Depression, a guy who can't even remember how many grandkids he has? Or is that what you want? These are the choices. Yeah. Well, I, I do have to say this. So, you know, I kept saying that I thought the recovery will be a V. I don't know if it'll be an exact V now because Democrat governors are uh, dragging their feet on reopening their states. I mean, the Republican governors are starting to, to reopen their states. And that's even that's even with the media saying, you know, uh, looking like uh, the friars and whatever in the old vampire movies and they got their big crosses up trying to ward off evil spirits and stuff uh you know out there in front saying oh you can't open up the you can't open this you can't open that and it's crazy it's very obvious they don't want the you know the economy to open again because uh, once the economy does get back going, uh, it's going to be an incredible sight, I believe, at least. I think it's going to be it's going to be fantastic. What say you, Mark? No, I think it will be as well. And I also think that in many cases, you're going to see a lot of those Democrat governors feel pressure from their from their residents who know that our freedoms don't come from the government. We don't get our freedom from the government. The government is ruled by us. And as we see more and more states reopen, as we see people who are being told you can't even go to a beach, even if you are socially distanced yourself, uh, that, that that's just not allowed. You know, that's not the way it works in America and that we have a certain amount of trust in the American people to do the right thing. We don't stop them from going outside because they might not do the right thing. Yeah. We don't stop everybody from driving because somebody might speed. Yeah, I mean, I don't see I don't see a big push for uh, Americans to go out and run uh, to an SEC football game or, or whatever right now. I'm not seeing that happen uh, when they get playing again. Do I see people going back to see football? Absolutely, because by then uh, I think we'll be past this. Uh, I'm I'm excited because Saturday here uh, locally in Little Rock, where I'm at, uh, it's supposed to be mid 80s and humid. 
that's not good news for the coronavirus. No, and and I think we will we will but between the social distancing that we've already had that is that is showing that it's working, the on, the onset of hot and humid weather, which has been proven to be in the sun, which is proven to be uh, bad for the coronavirus, plus the fact that we are now working in late stages with a lot of encouraging information about therapeutic remedies yep. and possibly even a vaccine by the end of the year. These mm-hmm. are all good things. America can get back to work. We can get back to doing those things. And, and for those liberals who are going to want to put the, the iron fist of government on the freedom of the people, I think even in some of the most liberal states you are going to see that, that freedom is going to win and that you have governors in places like Michigan and other places who are not going to be well viewed for trying to keep people from their boats or from gardening or even fishing by themselves. There's nothing in the coronavirus that says that you shouldn't be able to have the right to go fish. Yeah, I agree with you on, on that. It's 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 that lady up in Michigan, she is power drunk. I mean, I can't believe that she told people you can't buy seeds to go out and plant them in your garden. This woman is, she is, she's the worst case. She's the, she's the poster child for a totalitarian government. She really is as far as what we see in our country. Mark, I, I liked you to talk about uh, something and, and then I'm going to let you go. And it, it goes back to restarting uh, the, uh, uh, the economy. Look, you worked for Mike Pence for years uh, uh, during the time what when he was he was congressman and for a, a while while he was governor. Is that not true? Uh, I did not work for him when he was in Congress. I worked for another Republican governor in Indiana and the mayor, so I knew him very well. And obviously, okay. we I, he he and I worked together when he was at when he was at WIBC and I was in local television. Yeah. So here's my question for you. Um, you know, the, to be a politician in this situation is kind of being damned if you do and damned if you don't. If you open up the government, uh, if everything goes all right, you're, you know, you're the poster boy for freedom and all the rest. If, if th- something goes wrong, then they start taking pot shots at you. If you don't open it, uh, you know, you're against freedom and, and whatnot. I mean, this is a fine line. That you you've got to walk uh, if you're an elected official right now. It it is a trying time, and it is a very very very, um, uh, I guess, anxiety ridden time as far as I'm concerned. But the main thing is you got to stick with your principles. They got you to where you're at, and you can tell the people who have principles, and you can tell the people who don't. And uh, you know. Mike Pence is a perfect example of a guy who has principles. He's been living by them. And so uh, the stuff that's going on around him doesn't seem to bother him all that much. Am I wrong on this? No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, and I'll tell you, but we, we see the same thing. And it, it's really about having the courage to lead. And okay. it, you know, running, for, running for political office, whether it's, it's mayor or president or governor, shouldn't be about becoming the mayor, the president, or the governor. It's about what you can do and what you can do to better uh, your, the, the situation and, and uh, of the lives of the people that you've been, that you've been elected to serve. And so the, what I see, whether it's, whether it's Donald Trump, whether it's Mike Pence, is that you go there with, with, the, with the mandate to do something. And don't be afraid 
that it might not work. Have the courage of your convictions. Make the decision. Show leadership. And I think the American people have shown over the course of our long history that when our elected leaders show that leadership, they get it right. Or even if they get it wrong and they own up to it and change course to do the right thing, that we'll reward that. And I think the same thing will be, it'll be true here. All right. Now, I'm going to give you something uh, that's breaking news right now, Mark. And it's not like it's such breaking news that it's going to catch us with flat footed. Uh, the vice president has released a written statement before going on MSNBC saying about the Tara Reid claims, quote, they aren't true. This never happened. Uh, while the details of these allegations of sexual harassment, sexual assault are complicated. That's a get out clause right there. I'm just no, this is a get out clause. Uh, the two things are not complicated. One is that the woman deserves to be treated with dignity and respect. And when they step forward, they should be heard, not silenced. The second is that their story should be subject to appropriate inquiry and scrutiny. None of that he has given to her for five weeks. Unbelievable. The guy is such a hypocrite. Anything you want to say? And uh, and I would add that, you know, that the mainstream media has been also equally uh, to blame in this uh, for different reasons, because they have given him a complete pass. Uh, and have run cover for Joe Biden uh, with with allegations that that deserve to be heard, uh, that deserve to be to be exposed and investigated and 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 listened to by by these uh, by these claims. Uh, but you didn't have that. It was a double standard because what was was one standard for Brett Kavanaugh was not the standard used for Joe Biden. Oh, and no. finally, the pressure of of the American people demanding fairness has forced Joe Biden's hand. And, uh, and you see that he's, uh, you know, went to his favorite outlet, the, uh, the official propaganda arm of the Democrat National Committee in MSNBC and uh, Mika and Joe uh, to do their softball interviews. Uh, but it's about time that at least the media try to give this equal credibility because what they have shown is that they have one standard if it's Republicans and one standard if it's Democrats. Uh, and that is just not uh, the way that the American people expect the media to operate. Did you know, Mark, that ABC had done an interview with uh, Reed uh, five weeks ago and they've yet to air it? Uh, I'm not aware of that. No. Yeah. Yeah. How about that one? Uh, five weeks ago, she sat down and talked uh, to ABC News and they've yet to air that uh, that interview that sounds a whole lot like they did with the Clintons, doesn't it? Uh, you know, it, it, again, we have seen too many examples of many in the mainstream media just providing cover uh, for Joe Biden and trying to it, trying to wish this problem away. And uh, and we'll see that it, we'll see what happens. Uh, but I the agree. one thing that we do expect is that we expect that the media conduct themselves with the same standard, regardless of whether it's a Republican or a Democrat or a conservative or a liberal, uh, who is the one who is the subject of these allegations? Well, I will tell you this, and you will, I know, agree with me. Hell will freeze over before the press treats a Republican like a Democrat. That ain't going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Mark, thanks so much for you, brother. We appreciate you being with us today on the Dave Ellswick Show. 
Glad to talk to you, Dave. Talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you later. Mark Pilotter here on the Dave Ellswick Show. New Mark back in Indiana. Great guy. And uh, says it like it is. He does. All right. We'll come back. We'll finish up uh, this first hour of the Friday show. Rob Steinbach, Chris Corbett coming up in the next hour. we got a lot of things to talk about, about Flynn and, and a lot of other things that are going on. And in the final half hour of the show today, uh, Matt Smith's going to be on, and there's uh, unsettled uh, kind of things going on in Hollywood between Universal Pictures and several picture distributorships. We'll talk about all of that. Uh, as we continue through today's show, right here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. My thanks to Mark Lauder and to uh, Kate, uh, Kay Harrington for being with us today on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, Mark and I go back a long ways, back to the 90s. I've known Mark for a long time. And uh, he's been very close to the president, uh, vice president, during that time uh, as congressman, as uh, governor and whatnot. So, um, you know, I worked with uh, Mike Pence at WIBC in Indianapolis. He was he was on the uh, uh, Indiana uh, network and I was on WIBC and we were both there about the exact same time on the air and we would stand out in the hallway and and uh, and talk and uh, I knew that uh, he was going to go far and then he got into politics on uh, the Republican side in Indiana and um, uh, the rest is history so they speak and he's done a yeoman's job because he does have principles folks I'm just telling you our vice president has fantastic principles and he lives by those principles and I think it's ridiculous that the media, and Mark addressed this as we were talking about it, the only thing that they can say about uh, the vice president and how he has handled his responsibilities that the president gave him dealing with the uh, coronavirus is that he didn't wear a mask uh, at the Mayo Clinic. Well, guess what? He's been tested constantly and has come up negative constantly for the coronavirus it's he's one of those guys he don't have to wear a mask and he doesn't and uh, good for him i'm glad and that the media would point a finger and say well he you know he didn't wear a mask and that just makes the people that are at uh, the hospital at the mayo clinic makes them feel bad and i'm like what you know i don't the media says things anymore that's just so stupid and so outrageous that um, I just don't even, I can't even, uh, I, it's not a matter of understanding, it's a matter of uh, of looking and, and saying, did these people go to journalism school? And if they did, what were they taught? I know they, well, I know what they weren't taught, but what were they taught? And you, you go now to, you know, how they've been treating Biden and, and uh, with this, uh, the read and, and things that she said and and uh, not wanting to report on what she's been saying about the vice president uh, and, uh, you know, pre- uh, the vice president not wanting to say anything. And so it's always his uh, his flunkies that are out there. Uh, for instance, uh, Kate Bedingfield, 
who is the deputy campaign manager, communications director for the Biden campaign. You know, Biden didn't appear on Fox News to say, no, this didn't happen. He didn't do that. He sent out a flunky to say that he did. See, this uh, this is that's to be honest, the way Biden does things, the way that uh, Bibi used to do things here in uh, in Arkansas. Governor Beebe would would send Matt DeCampel, God bless his soul, but Matt DeCampel uh, was always out talking about uh, Governor Beebe and what Governor Beebe was trying to do. Governor Beebe didn't come out and, uh, for the most part, talk about what he was doing. And it used to drive used to drive me crazy because you're the governor. You know, you're not the Pope and or whatever, and you should be willing to stand up in front of the people and talk to them. Got to give uh, Governor uh, Hutchinson credit. Uh, you know, he talks uh, to the people uh, through the media the way he, he tries, and you may not agree with him, but at least he tends to 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 talk about his policies and. Uh, Check out what Bennington said here just the other day. Women have a right to tell their story. Reporters have an obligation to rigorously vet those claims. We encourage them to do so because these accusations are false. Well, if they're false, then tell us why they're false. They don't do that. They they pass it off to their lapdog media people, and the lapdog media people don't know the story because they, they can't follow their own nose. Just the way it is. So Wednesday reported that the campaign for Biden planned to use, quote, talking points, which cited a New York Times report to exonerate the former vice president. I, I think I don't have to say anymore. And, and yeah, I, I guess I could go over and turn the television on here in a moment uh, while we go to news at the top of the hour and see if if um, the vice president is on Morning Joe or if he's already appeared or he's getting ready to appear or what, don't expect anything earth-shattering to come out of it unless he starts talking word salad stuff where he says a whole bunch of stuff and it makes no sense. Now, if that happens, that would be news. Well, maybe not because he does that all the time anyway. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, Rob Steinbach and Chris Corbett are next. The 7 o'clock hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show, our final show of the, the week. And uh, Rob Steinbach and Chris Corbett going to be calling in. We're waiting on them now. And uh, we'll get it started on our uh, conversation. A lot of new stuff has uh, come out about the uh, Flynn investigation. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, uh, Harrington and I talked about this in the first hour uh, a lot of people not making a lot of uh, 
a lot of uh, uh, noise about in these memos uh, that are within the file on Flynn by the FBI. Uh, there's a very serious notation uh, from Strzok uh, to uh, a couple of people saying that the uh, POTUS, the POTUS, and if uh, you've not heard that before, that stands for President of the United States, uh, wants to be kept up to date on everything that's happening with what they were doing with Flynn. Uh, Strzok is the guy who told uh, several uh, FBI agents that they were not to close the case on on uh, Flynn. So uh, a lot of interesting information has come out. And I, and I just post uh, to you and, and, and make this statement to you because, uh, you know, it's one of those statements that we know the answer to. But if this had been Trump or this had been Bush or if this had been uh, you know, Reagan or it had been, uh, you know, uh, Nixon. I mean, I just wrote, run back Ford and uh, they had and, and a memo had shown up showing malfeasance by the FBI. And that's what these memos are showing. Uh, and the president of the United States was mis- mentioned in such a way that it showed that he was taking an active role in what was going on. If it had been a Republican president, how do you think the media would have acted? Yeah, they would have gone nuts, right? I mean, they would have gone absolutely back guano on it. But they, it, it wasn't a Republican. It was a Democrat, and it was Obama at that. And crickets... Crickets, even from uh, members of the media that I would expect would uh, start questioning why was the president involved in this? Uh, not, uh, not saying much of anything because, you know, they're afraid of uh, the, the blowback, so to speak, that would occur if you actually uh, questioned, did Obama know something? And if he did, what did he know? And when did he start knowing it? And when did he stop knowing it? So with that, I see that Robert is with us and that Chris is with us. Let me remind you that Robert is a law professor over at uh, the Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone. Chris Corbett is a uh, engineer and uh, a lawyer as well and his opinions are his and he thinks that you should think exactly as he does but uh, that's good that's good guys seriously rob we didn't know this yesterday when we were on uh, late in the day but the president of the united states according to schrock was very interested in what was going on with this investigation of flynn and nobody's talking about it. How come? Well, of course, your question answers itself. But it bespeaks the broader issue that we have been saying for some time. And that is, every time you raise a question, Dave, people like you in the media who say, wait a second, this guy stroked, struck, whatever, this guy Comey, uh, this uh, woman Page." These are senior people in the FBI 
And they're clearly, by the way, clearly doing things that are inappropriate, unethical, and that you would never want to see in a law enforcement organization. And what you hear from folks in the media, from folks, at least some folks on the left, well, you're attacking the FBI. Wait, wait a second. I've got to sit down, Dave. You're telling me that when I'm pointing out when there's something wrong, when there's unethical behavior, when there's corruption going on in a law enforcement agency, no less any government agency, that somehow I'm attacking all the employees, all the good people in that agency or in law enforcement. It, coming from the left and coming from the media demonstrates the level of hypocrisy that exists in the, in the political landscape these days. Because they have always said, our job is to root out wrongdoing. Our job is to make sure that the government, the public, even the private sector operate fairly. They don't take advantage of people. That has been their mantra since the 60s. And by the way, that's a good claim. It's a good thing. And now they turn around and they have the audacity to play jingoism while well, you're attacking. It's like saying, well, if there's a corrupt general or if there was a less than ideal, I will point out, less than ideal secretary of the Navy. Well, you're attacking all of the uh, Navy uh, personnel. No, you're not. You're saying that hack who made that stupid speech aboard the Teddy Roosevelt wasn't very good and good reading. That's what you're saying. And in fact, you're supporting the sailors of, uh, the, of the Navy because you're saying we need leadership that you can count on. And the same thing goes for the FBI. And that's the problem right now with the West and with the media. They are so in the bag for being against Trump. They're unwilling to stick by their ideals of making sure there's no cronyism and corruption in government, in law enforcement, in anywhere. Yeah, I mean, you said, you, the way you said it uh, is exactly the way I feel about it. How about you, Chris? Oh, Michael Flynn, well, he got the shaft, right? NSA director uh, pleads guilty in 2017. They had all this information on him. You know, what if he? Well, I think the conviction rate of federal prosecutors is what 98 percent after they build a case against you. Uh-huh. And um, uh, you know, it's wild that this stuff's just now coming out. Um, if he had chosen to uh, risk it and go to trial, it's not really like he's rolling the dice and getting some access to justice. It's it's. Um, it, it, he's looking at a, a huge sentence if he if he rolls the dice and, and, and gets found guilty. Um, I, I think it's a tragedy. I think it's outrageous, and um, uh, you know it's a it, it's a mob, and they're out to get folks and, and catch them in these lies. I, I just I, I hope Trump steps in and does something about it. Honestly. Well, yeah. I number one, he should um, immediately. Uh, free Flynn. There's no doubt about that. And, yeah. and secondly, uh, uh, you know, Barr, you know, though it wasn't really under his watch, uh, he's got to apologize directly to Flynn. And then third, Flynn needs to bring, uh, uh, you know, uh, legal uh, recourse against the people who did this to him. 
without a doubt. But now you know how that works out, going after folks that are um, basically protected, right? I mean, who's he, who would he go after? The special counsel? Robert Mueller? Yeah, Comey, I, who, real, you know? Yeah, who would he go after? And then, you know, uh, what, I think... Uh, what he was the, the NSA Michael Flynn was the shortest serving NS director uh NSA director in the in the history of the United States I think he served uh what, like 20 days or something 24 days <laughs> this guy's got a decorated military career I, it's outrageous it's a tragedy to me I hope I, I wish Trump would step in make this thing make this thing right um uh and um also do that with the, with this captain of the of the USS Roosevelt Make it right. Well, there's a lot of stuff uh, that needs to, to to come out, and uh, maybe we've got a few cracks in the dike, so to speak, and maybe we'll start seeing some of the reality come through. But I thought the biggest thing yesterday on those memos, as people were looking at them, was that the president of the United States was specifically mentioned that he wanted to be kept appraised of every step of that investigation. That is really damning stuff, to say the least. Oh, big time. And of course, their claim, Dave, uh, the claim of the Obama administration, the claim of the talking heads on television now is that Trump breaks the norms. By the way, you know what the norm is? The norm is what the last guy did. That's what the norm <laughs> is. So when you take over, guess what? You know what the norm is? What I'm doing. But putting that aside, when Trump breaks the norm, you know, he has the audacity to ask the uh, AG what to, uh, what's going on or to tell him to look into something. Wait a second. Did you not know that the AG works for the president? So what I'm trying to point out right now is yet again the hypocrisy. If Trump oh, were yeah. to do this, they would be all over it. But when you see something about a previous administration, they don't say anything. Hey, take a position and stick with it. If you've got no criticism of it, don't criticize it now. But you've spent the last three years criticizing the president every time he makes a move, asking something of the DOJ. And yet we look back and we see it happen all the time. You know what's amazing about all of this? You have a president that underwent a microscopic examination by uh, the House about collusion with the Russians. He, he went through this whole thing with uh, uh, a special counsel, and uh, nothing was found. He went through a uh, pseudo, and I use pseudo for a reason, uh, impeachment. And now he's going through all of this, these attacks that he's taking about uh, the coronavirus. And just today, Gallup came out and said that the president has the highest ratings he has ever had, 48 percent, tying his highest ratings for independence, showing that they like what the president is doing. Now, I, I'm just telling you, this, this is like loading a revolver for the, uh, for the Democrats, if you ask me. Well, you know, you call it an impeachment process or a so-called impeachment process because it wasn't uh, um, an inappropriate process. I call it a colonoscopy. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, sure. Chris it really was. It was. <laughs> Yeah. It, was, it was. It was definitely. You got to give me a little slack. Yeah, you did good, but I'm just saying. The bottom line is, the president is at his highest rates with independents, and that's the people that you got to worry about because you know you're going to do well typically with your own party, and he's doing well with 95 percent of the Republicans, and he's doing terribly with Democrats, probably. You know, six percent or something, but forty-eight percent with independents—that's that's death knell stuff for the Democratic nominee. So what are you saying, Chris, you're you saying get- Dave? It's going to be a route. It's going to be a route in November. Well, huh? I've been I've been saying that all along. You know, <laughs> he's going to he's going to take all fifty states plus some islands. He's going to take fifty-three states. Yeah, he could. <laughs> No doubt. I, I heard that the Dominican Republic wants to wants to vote, but I, I don't know if they're going to, you know, if if the if the Democrats have their way, they'll they'll have them down at the license uh, branch, uh, you know, getting the, getting their registration cards. But yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I, it's amazing what the president's able to do by being resolute, and that is the key. He has oh, yeah. been resolute right. through all of this. All right, 20 after 7, we'll take a break. Robert Steinbach's here. Chris Corbett is here. Uh, We'll come back. We'll talk about the governor starting to open up uh, the state somewhat. Told the gym owners they're going to be able to open yesterday, today. Evidently, some of the salons are going to be open. And he had to do the salons now. Because Monday, guys, he's going to go do the churches. And if he tries to open the churches before the salons are open and the women can get their hair done, uh, oh. it, would, it would be a bad day for Governor Hutchinson. I'm just telling you, the women want to get their hair done. I heard all about it yesterday from about five callers I had. we got more to talk about here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Stick around. Uh, fun stuff, serious stuff. We talk about all the stuff here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We uh, continue. We've got uh, about five minutes left here. Uh, In this half hour, Rush is coming up at 730. You won't want to miss what he has to say. Um, So I'm I'm thinking he'll have something to say about uh, Flynn along the way here. But uh, and then Sean Hannity is uh, coming up at 830 as well. But uh, during the rest of this half hour, next half half hour and the first half of the eight o'clock hour, Robert Steinbach, legal professor over at the Bowen School of Law and Chris Corbett who is a local attorney up in the Conway area, uh, is a, uh, I guess, an engineer, and he's kind of a all-around kind of guy. He's kind of like Thomas Jefferson was, except that, well, do you consider your home Monticello there, there uh, uh, Corbett? Is that how you look at it? You've got all kinds of devices that you've come up with that you have hooked up in your house? I think we may have lost him. Does it yeah, sound like we, we lost him? Yeah, we may have. It, he can do. He can make all kinds of things, but he can't stay on the phone. That's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't invent the phone, though. Uh, that's it. Yeah, and and it's an argument of whether Alexander Graham Bell did. But yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, you know, Chris is is a man of all seasons. He really, really is. Hopefully, he'll, well, really, he'll, you know, he'll give us a call back. He's of course he's a lawyer. 
But he's not only an engineer, he's a professional engineer, which is a much higher status. You've got to take an exam and be it's a higher qualification. There aren't that many of them in Arkansas, uh, and he's one of them. And he, so he does, when he practices law, often he does a combination. He does cases that are complex construction cases that need a know-how of engineering. And that's really a very rare skill, and I, I admire him for that, and he does a really good job at that. And as you know, Dave, we've talked about this many a time already. Uh, I'm encouraging him, and I think he's uh, listening positively, to run for state senate when yes. Jason Rayford runs shortly, not this November, but the following election uh, for Senate, that is, uh, that he runs for what will then be Jason Rayford's open Senate seat. Uh, and I think he will do a fantastic job uh, in the Arkansas Senate. So um, the, uh, he's, he really, you know, he's, I don't know, my fifth, eighth generation Arkansan, first of all. Uh, no, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's fifth generation Arkansan and fifth generation, or he's fourth generation and his daughter's fifth generation University of Arkansas Fayetteville. So wow. He's really, yeah, it's really, they did a whole uh, write-up on it in the um, University of Arkansas uh, at Fayetteville newspaper uh, because that's a, that's a legacy, you know? Yeah. And it's really remarkable. Your family's been around for a long time, huh? Hunt huh, Corbett, is that the case? Yes, I'm back in. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. But Yeah, we've been talking about you while you've been off. I was talking oh, about how man. great of, how great of an I, engineer you were, and then you hung up on us. <laughs> I'm so sorry. My uh, my Google Voice here died out on me. I, I'm, I'm struggling with this technology, but I'm getting better. <laughs> It's funny. It's funny. How, how long has has the uh, the Corbett family or your mother's side, uh, whichever is longer, been in Arkansas? Looking like five generations, four generations, it's five generations. So technically, right. yeah, uh, uh, Grandma McGee, uh, Helen McGee, she's on the walk out there at U of A, nineteen forty two with wow. a chemistry degree. She's 99 years old. She's still alive. She's down in uh, Fort Myers. She's they've got her basically sequestered. They bring her her meals in her room. She gets to she gets to walk around down there, but she's got to go by herself. Um mm-hmm. they've got her in a it's a nice nursing home, but um uh, well, Now what to yeah. say? She's walking around. She's 99 years old oh. and just oh. strolling yeah. around, huh? She is 99 years old. She's uh, got all of her wits about her. She's fantastic. And um, I call her. I call her about um, about once a week. I probably should call more often. Wow, that's amazing. That's real. Is she a Trump supporter? Oh, 100%. We've got to get her on the air. we got to get her on the air. Oh, she's fantastic. She would be <laughs> fun they, to they talk to. They interviewed her for the article. And... Um, she got. To, she told stories that I, I hadn't heard, so it was fantastic. Amazing. About, um, yeah, they put her to work down in the in the so it's what it's, it's the Pine Bluff Arsenal right now. She uh-huh. helped. Um, she helped make bombs down there at um, at the in the final days of World War Two. You're crazy. Yeah, All right, guys. For a hey, 
Okay, hold on. Talk about it when we come back. We've got to take a break because El Rushbo is ready to go here on the Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM, The Answer. You know, PI Roofing uh, doesn't want you worrying about your roof. PI Roofing wants you worrying about uh, really nothing, but, you know, they want you to take care of yourself and your family during this extraordinary time that we're living through. Uh, They are doing all of their uh, meetings by phone or by uh, computer. They're keeping their social distancing. Uh, They'll come out, look at your house. They don't have to knock on the door and come inside and and meet with you or anything like that. They can do uh, what they need to do with your roof without even talking to you directly. And uh, they'll work with your insurance agency and all the rest. So if you had some... uh, uh, roofing problems because of the hail we've had the last few days or the strong line winds that we've had over the last few days, uh, just give them a call, 707-3551, or visit them online, piroofing.com, and uh, they'll take a good uh, care of you. They did me. They, they did uh, the VIP Cinema and Cabot. They've done uh, a lot of different people I know done their roofs and done a fantastic job. That's P.I. Roofing, piroofing.com. Back with you, uh, Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett. And before I go on to the next subject, uh, Robert, you were making a statement, and I cut you off and said, hold that for the next 30 minutes. Were you, are you able to remember what you were talking about? It's a rare occasion that I can, and luckily this is one of those. Oh, okay. Just to say, um, how wonderful is it that Chris is, um, is it your great-grandmother, Chris? Grandmother, great-grandmother? Yes, Helen, Helen McGee, uh-huh. That yes, was 99 was years old. She was my a grandmother. chemistry. Yeah, she was a chemistry major at UA uh, at Fayetteville uh, in the 40s, and then, of course, helped in the war effort. And you want to talk about feminism? That's feminism. That oh, yeah. is, right? But we don't hear enough about it. Don't get me wrong. I do believe that those on the left will comment positively on those types of actions. But I do say not enough. When, when you see someone like that who does those things for herself, for her country, and then her family, obviously, being your grandmother or great-grandmother, she had a family, she had children, she had grandchildren. Uh, and there still is this tension uh, in that in the conversation about when women uh, pursue family versus when women pursue uh, a career. And if I recall correctly, we didn't talk about it on air, but she then eventually pursued a family and didn't pursue career. And guess what? That is not only a valid choice. It is a recognition uh, that the claims of the 70s that women can do whatever they want, which is true, uh, and that means pursue every course of action at one time, that part is not true. Anytime you make a decision to do one thing, it forecloses the ability to entirely do another thing. So the notion that you can be 100% a homemaker and 100% uh, a career person for man or a woman, it's just obviously physically untrue because you can't be 100% of two different things. And uh, we need to respect those who make either decision. And I think often we do, but often we don't. 
Uh, interesting. Okay, so Chris during the break was telling uh, Robert and I that, and I was asking him because Network was shown again last night on on the Turner Classic Movie Channel, and I had told Chris about it because I really think everybody should watch that movie now because it's 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 more true to life than it was when it came out back in I think seventy seventy six seventy nine. But anyway, he said he forgot about it because there was an air parade going on in uh, Conway last night. Uh, bring us up to what? date on this. It was fantastic. I didn't know anything about it, and uh, I was out. I was out grilling on my little thing called a Blue Moon disc. It's this uh, uh, big, flat piece of steel. And Susie comes home and says there's going to be an air parade tonight of planes. And it was fantastic. They were flying in formation. And um, I presume they launched themselves from the uh, Conway Airport here and uh, flying in formation. They had uh, Cessnas. There was also a small, looked like a personal, a small one or two person personal jet. It was it was fantastic. Wow. It went on for about an hour, and um, they they shot some flares. They did some smoke streams. It was really really neat. And, oh, that's uh, cool. Let people get exciting. out a little bit. Yeah, people were yeah, able to exciting. get out and stand in their backyard or their front yard and keep their social distancing. Take and take, uh, uh, you know, they could take uh, and sit down and watch all of that. Oh, it's fantastic. Susie went and got a couple beers, brought me a beer. I said, man, this is fantastic. I live over in uh, Shadow Shadow Valley, and um, and, uh, so I got some some big trees, some big canopies. But, uh, man, it was fantastic. I was very impressed. Whoever put it together, it was fantastic. And they were flying in a big oval pattern and um, um, all kinds of planes. I had no idea there was that many different types of planes in and around Conway. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, that just goes to show when people want to do something, they can put their noggins together and come up with some ideas. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. It was it was fun. That's interesting. But, uh, Chris, you mentioned, Dave, I got no candy. They didn't sell any candy out. You know? That's what I'm wondering. Well, they're afraid that they're afraid of the legal uh, procedures. I mean, if, if you think of a piece of candy fell uh, you know, a couple thousand feet and hit some little kid in the eyeball, they'd be uh, suing somebody. That's right. So that's Chris, what you calculate the rate at which it would be falling, right, Chris? You can figure out the math on that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, Terminal velocity. Wait, wait, let me see if I understand. Susie came out with a couple of beers and then turned to you and said, hey, are you having anything? <laughs> that's exactly what happened. I said, where's my beer, man? Yeah, she, likes those, she likes those Rattlers, man. And she messes up the beer with some grapefruit juice or something. What? I, don't even know what I a, love the Rattlers. I don't even know what a, a Rattler, what a rattler what is. What the heck is that? I've never even heard of that. It's, a Rattler, you know, the snake with the funny tail? No, a Rattler is a German drink, which is half beer, half grapefruit soda. Uh. <laughs> It's not right. It, it, it ruins it the right. beer and it ruins the grapefruit. <laughs> oh my goodness! Now, I'm, I'm being honest. I haven't tried it, but just from what you're saying, it's like yuck. Yeah, awesome. I don't like beer, but I like a Rattler. Oh, you're not you you're know not what? a beer drinker, okay? Here, Dave, it's good. It's it's like a lemonade. If it's really hot outside, I'll have some when it's really hot. Yeah. But, um, it, after that, no. I'm a you know, Coors the Light. do that, too, I think. Yeah, I think there you Germans go. will mix a lemonade with beer. Yeah, you come over and visit me, Chris. I've got a, I've got a cube in my closet of Coors Light. 
I love it. Hey, Dave, I drink two. I know you've heard this. I drink two kinds of beer. I drink. I drink free beer and your beer. That there you go. Yeah, that's that makes sense. That makes sense. By the way, did you guys hear this new story just coming out? One of the Democrats considered to be in the running to join uh, join uh, Joe Biden on the party's 2020 presidential ticket says the recent sexual assault allegations against the former vice president deserve to be listened to. And I didn't even know this lady was in the running. Uh, Senator Tammy Duckworth of Illinois addressed the matter in really? a podcast interview yesterday, one day before Biden planned to answer questions uh, today on his uh, MSNBC softball extravaganza. So, yeah, I'm just saying uh, uh, th- this is interesting. Uh, if, if people if it's starting to break this way. The reason that the vice president is on MSNBC, because he hasn't even done, you know, what he considers friendly media uh, right. and, and MSNBC is friendly media for a Democrat. Uh, of you know, they're saying that we got to get out and try to get in front of this. I don't think they can get in front of it now because they started behind and now they're going to stay behind. Okay, whether or not they can get out uh, ahead of it, uh, Duckworth uh, at least is making an attempt, and I don't know her. For, I mean, I know who she is, but I don't know anything about her politics specifically. Uh, at least she's making an attempt not to be the hypocrite that both the media, New York Times specifically, and the Democrats have been so far on this issue. And to be clear, to be clear, I'm not saying Biden did it. I have no idea. This has been my point throughout all of these types of allegations, which is someone makes a, quote, credible uh, allegation. And by credible, I mean, you know, they're not saying something like, well, it happened on Mars, you know, something. Yeah, right. Right. Uh, So if someone makes a credible allegation, uh, it should be uh, looked into uh, to the level that is justified. And the Democrats dove in headfirst on allegations uh, by that porn star's lawyer, which were clearly fallacious. Uh, but then, uh, as did the New York Times, releasing the allegations the day they were made without doing any investigation. But now, so far, with the allegations against Biden, all you hear is crickets. That's the hypocrisy. It's one standard for Democrats, another standard for Republicans. So at least Duckworth so far is making an attempt not to be the hypocrite that the left and the media, do I really need to draw that distinction, by the way, has been so far. It's interesting. I'm just telling you, but there's cracks showing, uh, Robert and uh, Chris. And if you're Biden, uh, that's not a good thing. No way. No way. Well, look, the best Biden can do, I just saw in the New York Times that Biden made a statement, I think on MSNBC, denying it. And look, uh, he's entitled to do that, too. I'm not objecting to him denying something, presuming, of course, that he is claiming that he didn't do it. Uh, but he's, this is the first time he's kind of really stepping forward and commenting uh, because as I just mentioned, this ongoing hypocrisy is too much in terms of one standard for Republicans and another standard for Democrats. And so all they can do now, given how it's so transparent, is try to move towards 
a closer standard for both, and we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because more people are finding it uh, uh, to their liking, so to speak, to now say something about this. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, you asked any of those women that were considered, you know, big-time possibilities to be a VP, none of them was talking except for Stacey Abrams, and she'll talk to anybody about being VP. She wants to be VP. I mean, she she's making that pretty clear. Uh, and I think she's doing that. She's she's in the Joe Biden Deadpool. Uh, she, you know, she thinks that he won't make it through his uh, first term of office. All right, a break. It's uh, 12 minutes before 8 o'clock here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's take that break. Then we'll come back. We'll talk more. Uh, with Robert and with Chris here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, uh, real quickly, uh, Robert. Yeah. What's, what station are you listening to? 101.1 FM, The Answer. There you go. I just wanted to make sure after you hear it four times in a row that you wouldn't forget. Hey, according exactly. to Forbes, 96% of Americans claim their Social Security benefits at the wrong time that means you're gonna lose money folks i'm just telling you, you pick the wrong time you lose money and uh according to forbes uh this mistake cost you an average of a hundred and eleven thousand dollars during the course of your retirement learn how you can avoid that with a free social security analysis from david lucas financial right here in north little rock if you save more than two hundred and fifty thousand dollars and have not filed for your Social Security, then be one of the first 10 callers to uh, schedule your first and uh, only necessary free analysis now at 501-222-3315. This free analysis can be done over the phone or over uh, your computer in a video conference, so social distancing is no big deal. All you need to do is call 501-222-3315. That's 501-222-3315. 501-222-3315. Investment advisory services offered through David Lucas Financial, an Arkansas registered investment advisor. All right, so keep that in mind. Uh, I was just talking to somebody uh, yesterday, or maybe it was Tuesday, uh, had heard David on my show last week and uh, had called in and made an appointment and said, I, you know, I... I know and I knew that I should do it uh, and, and check it out, and I'm, I'm doing it, and I've got my appointment now. So uh, they're taking care of it. So keep that uh, in mind. I know that the coronavirus has got everybody's attention, but life goes on, folks. Life goes on, and you've got to keep, uh, keep that in mind as well. All right, so nine more states today will begin opening. Yesterday, the uh, governor uh, said that uh, gyms could reopen here in the state. Uh, you got to keep 12 feet between you and the other person who's working out. And uh, you got to wear a mask when you're not working out. You can, while you're uh, doing your, uh, you know, while you're on the, uh, the bench press, uh, uh, Robert, doing uh, 20 pounds, uh, you need... Yeah, you don't need to wear your uh, face mask. Well, Dave, you see, the good thing about it for me <laughs> is when they reopen the gym, uh, I can um, 
pay my membership and not go uh, uh, as frequently as I didn't go when there wasn't any coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the truth, too. You're, you're, telling, you're telling the truth. You, you do any kind of uh, lifting there, uh, uh, Chris? But I've got my 10,000 hours in. My lifting is um, a beer from a, a, a straight elbow to a bent elbow. Boom, boom, oh, okay. Boom. <laughs> well, I, I, I beat you both. I do do lifting. In fact, Robert's been to my house several times, and he knows what my garage looks like. It looks like a gym. It does. Oh, you got a garage. You got a garage of pain. I do. I do. I've got over eight hundred pounds. I've got over eight hundred pounds of free weights that I. I work around with. I, I'm not saying that I bench 800 pounds. Don't, don't mistake what I'm saying here. I'm just saying that I uh, uh, I get on. I I bench about 130, 140. You know, do three sets of ten. That's fantastic. You know, as far as that's that's gone. Well, how do you think I stay a chick magnet, man? I mean, come on. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, buddy. Well, yeah, you know, Dave. Not yes. only do you do you have the body, you also have the face for radio. So it's a good. I do. <laughs> I do have a face for radio. I do not disagree with that. I'm not saying that I'm ugly, but uh, the person who took a swipe at me with the frying pan did connect somewhat. So I got to let everybody know know that. Plus, you know, they don't they don't let too many bald guys on television. Oh, there are a few. There are a few. Yeah, yeah but the, the last one that was on all the time and was loved was Telly Savalas. And now we're talking a lot of years ago. Yeah, I think you just lost half your audience on that one. Yes, a lot of people are dead. Who loves you, baby? I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Do you know that he, um, what movie was he in now? I'm trying to think. It was one of the big biblical. Makes me want to say Kojak for some reason. Now, Kojak? Well, yeah, that's, he that's what he did. Yeah, he was Kojak. But here's the key. Up until... It seems to me, uh, I think it was the movie The Robe, and I think he played Pontius Pilate in that. He shaved his head for that and liked it so much that he didn't shave his head anymore. Or he didn't grow hair back. He wow. just left really? his hair stay yeah. bald. Yeah. Well, maybe and, oh, maybe and, I need to try this out. I'm going to shave my head and see what happens. Now, I thought you already it, did. You shaving your head, is, is that's a 20-second job, isn't it? <laughs> like not, there's not there's a lot not of effort for Corbett to shave his head. Because you got the monk cut, don't you? That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Cor- Corbett just doesn't have that much left to be shaving, just to be clear. Yeah, yeah I'm with you guys. Right. I'm with you. All right, we'll come back. There's yeah. a new news breaking. I'll uh, talk to you guys about it when we come back. we got news coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, Rob and Chris will be with us here in the uh, next half hour. Matt Smith will join us at uh, 8.35. Interesting story developing out in uh, Hollywood. Universal uh, released uh, the Troll movie, and it made, are you ready for this guy? They streamed it. It made $100 million at the box office, and now they're saying... There's a lot of other movies that they're looking at streaming as well. And movie theaters are throwing their hands up like AMC and Cinemark, putting their hands up and say, whoa, now, 
Hold on a second. We're not going to do that. You're not going to do that. You do that, we won't show your movies at our theaters. So we've got uh, we've got a Mexican standoff, so to speak, going on. We'll talk about that with Matt Smith uh, in the 830 half hour. With that all said, let's get to the news. We'll take a break. Then we'll come back. Robert Steinbach, who is a law professor over at uh, uh, Euler at the uh, uh, Bowling School of Law, his opinions are his and his alone are with us, and Chris Corbett as well. I'm back with both of these great guys in just a moment. show for a Friday a story just coming out. Uh, Democrat presidential candidate Joe Biden has reportedly sent campaign operatives to the University of Delaware. Now, we were just talking about this, guys, uh, uh-huh. during the break and this story just coming out. And they're going to the University of Delaware so they can go through uh, Biden's Senate records after he was accused by former staffer Tara Reid of sexual assault. Quote, Reid says she believes that Biden's senatorial papers, which are housed at the University of Delaware, may contain notes and other personal records supporting some of her claims. That's according to Business Insider. Biden is refusing to allow public access to his senatorial archives even though it may contain records that could shed light on Reed's accusations and even as his own campaign operatives have themselves assessed and accessed the papers in the past year. The Biden campaign has said that it is the job of journalism or journalists to vet the credibility of allegations, but they refuse to let the journalists go through his Senate records. How's that for hypocrisy? <laughs> Unbelievable. Hey, why, Unbelievable. Would they, why would they let them do that so they can prove the allegations are true? Well, why here's, what, hide this yeah. stuff? here's the crazy <laughs> stuff about it, Chris. Think about this. The campaign says journalists should vet the accusations. Then they turn around and say, but don't ask to see the, uh, see the vice president's senatorial records that he kept during that time. What, who, who's, who's the head of this campaign that would make a statement 
to that would direct journalists basically to do that and then say you can't see them. I mean, that's that's like trying to cause trouble. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it is. It is. And um, if if these things truly did happen, I know they're from 27 years ago, but now we we got to know about it. And then look at they look how they crucified Brett Kavanaugh in the press. And and if you put if you juxtapose what they did to Brett Kavanaugh up to what happened now, they're, they're, from what I've read, Tara Reid's allegations um, are much much more uh, have much more credit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, just, remember Kavanaugh yeah. when the when they went and talked to the people that she said that Blasey Ford said knew all about this, they all said, what's she talking about? I I don't remember ever talking about that. I don't remember any of that. That's not how these witnesses are saying. It says, oh, yeah, we had a a discussion about that, and uh, she was telling us about a senator that, you know, uh, did some things to her that uh, were absolutely horrible. So these are much more credible, you know, Accusations than what Blasey Ford had. Much you, more credible, Dave. What do you think, Robert? I mean, well, this if, is if, a point if, that I raised before, which is the hypocrisy of the media, the hypocrisy of the left. They were far too quick to go forward with transparently nonsensical claims by that porn lawyer against Kavanaugh, and you hear crickets regarding these allegations. Let me be clear. I'm not, I'm not making a claim that these are true or not true. Uh, and that was the problem with the Kavanaugh he- hearing. The media in the left was like, oh, well, these are true, or we should presume they're true. No, you don't presume allegations are true. Someone makes an allegation, you investigate an allegation, other than, like I said, if they are transparently uh, fictional. Yeah, yeah, you know, you yeah, you know, when when we were both wearing the same hazmat suit, you know, they say something like that, you know there's a problem, but still, I mean, Reed first accused Biden in April of last year of having inappropriately touched her while she worked for him back as a staffer. Uh, quote, this is her quote, he used to put his hand on my shoulder and run his finger up my neck, Reed said. I would just kind of freeze and wait for him to stop doing that. Now, that type of touching is has been in full view while uh, you know Biden was a senator and a vice president. He's been known to, you know, ask for inappropriate hugs. He's he's put his hands on women's derrieres. He's kissed women when they weren't expecting it. It's uh you know, and, and when the when the New York Times talked about that a couple of weeks ago in an article they did about Biden, uh, they said, well, maybe that we were being too tough on him. And then they said uh, they started talking about the Tara Reid accusation, which is much tougher than what those other accusations are. But he has a propensity for this. This is something that he's been doing for years. Well, that's the. The, what you're pointing out is the hypocrisy of the media. The, the media is in the bag for Biden. They've learned somewhat a lesson, as you may recall, in two different instances. First, when uh, G.W. Uh, uh, Bush ran for president, 
they gave him a lot of news coverage. He was kind of a, a easy guy to talk to, and they covered him, and then they realized, oh, my goodness, he's going to win the presidency, in part because we gave him this coverage. Then when Trump ran for office, he got a whole bunch of free media because he really is an expert on how to engage the media. And then they realized, oh, my goodness, we may have given him something that helped him get elected. So now they are quite consciously manipulating the news so as to help Biden get elect, elected. And the difference, of course, is before they were pursuing their profit motive and not realizing that they were giving free media away. Now they are pursuing a political agenda uh, and manipulating the content not the amount, the content of the media in favor of the Democratic nominee. And that well, really made is a dangerous precedent. They've made it into a partisan issue. They said at the beginning, that's not what it was. Hashtag Me Too was about any woman or man, for that matter, who stepped forth and said that they were being sexually harassed. Everybody would listen to their story and they would do a... Uh, uh, an investigation. Well, now the Democrats say, well, no, uh, what we meant was any time that a Republican is found uh, to have uh, maybe done something that could be construed as sexual harassment there to be investigate, investigated and their, uh, you know, person who's out there saying they did it are to be believed. But if it's something against a, de- a Democrat, then, of course, that accuser is not to be believed. And uh, we won't go anything any deeper into it because we know uh, Democrats wouldn't do anything like that. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what they're saying. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a, that's that's breaking it down, I think, pretty uh, uh, clearly about how they feel. And that's kind of stuff. Uh, that's got to stop. And Rose McGowan and, and some other in Hollywood have seen this. McGowan said yesterday, you know, I used to be a proud uh, Democrat. Not anymore. Uh, this stuff about sexual harassment, they're up to their eyeballs in. He's exactly yeah, right, Dave. Where, where are the women's groups? Where, where's the women's oh. groups that came out? Are they are they coming out this, and hammering on Biden? No, not? hey, look, this is the same women's group uh, groups that had uh, Teddy Kennedy in the Senate for you know years and years and years and decades, and never ever right. you know challenged him on Kopechny or any of the other women who have uh, mm-hmm. come forward about what he did. I mean. Look, we all know the story about him dressing up in Barney uh, as Barney at a Halloween party and walking around and saying he's the Tyrannosaurus sex and uh, and groping women was true. There was too many, too many witnesses to say that it was false. But they didn't say anything. You know, that if if you're if you're buttering their bread, uh, they're in for you all the way. I'll, uh, I'll I'll concede the floor to one of you all. Well, look, Dave, <laughs> we, we, of course, you and I and, and Chris remember growing up when there was the Soviet Union and they, by definition, the press was a part of the state. Now, in Russia, the press is a part of the state because they really do mimic much of what transpired during the Soviet Union. But there's a 
there's at least an attempt to claim some disconnect. Uh, but they essentially act as an arm of the government. And, of course, this, the press can't be a check on government if they work for government. Now, in America, clearly the press is a private entity. But if they're carrying the water for a political party and they continue to carry that water for the political party when they're in office, that's no different conceptually than if they actually worked and are paid for by that political party. And so that's really dangerous. And we are moving in that direction. I'm not saying we're there. The press has been, has provided at times critical analyses of democratic actions. But to be clear, major press outlets are not investigating the left in the same way that they investigate the right. They're not criticizing the left in the same way that they criticize the right. And that's dangerous. And go ahead. Well, what you're saying is very simply this for the folks that lived through the Cold War, uh, that our national press is beginning to act like Pravda. That's exactly what you're saying. And you are exactly right. I'm not saying they're Pravda yet. But they're pretty because, you know, President Trump or any other president hasn't appointed anybody to CNN or whatever. Uh, When the government starts appointing the people that are over the news organizations, then you can say we definitely are Pravda time. Yeah, yeah. I I just think we need to have a news environment that is more independent, less politically motivated. Oh, absolutely. In the meantime, yeah, look, and, and I love when the, the Democrats criticize Fox and say, well, they're just an echo chamber for the Republicans. And not even, look, there are times in which Fox is, and there are times in which Fox isn't. But I'm not here to analyze how much Fox is an echo chamber or not. My question is, why is the leftist media and the Democrats, why are they, criticizing Fox when they're doing the same thing? So is the critique only that they're not supporting Fox and not supporting Democrats? Is that the critique? Not much of a critique, is it? You're right. All right, we've got to get a break in. Final break for this uh, half hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. Ted Cruz turned a good phrase yesterday on his podcast. Uh, by the way, if you've not listened to it, it's called The Verdict. With Ted Cruz, uh, he said that you're going to love this, guys. Hong Kong is the new East Germany. Let me say it again. Hong Kong is the new East Germany. We'll talk about that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Okay, 8.23. we got seven minutes. There's a lot that I want to talk about in seven minutes. I just mentioned that during his podcast yesterday... Uh, And the podcast is called Verdict with Ted Cruz. Uh, Ted Cruz, I thought, coined and turned a a really great phrase when he made the statement that Hong Kong is the new East Germany. Because you think about it, the Chinese have built a cyber wall, basically, around uh, Hong Kong. Uh, and they're controlling what goes in and what goes out. They, they're controlling uh, anybody who's trying to uh, uh, 
demonstrate against them, things of that nature, and, you know, they show up at your door and suddenly you don't exist anymore, really 1984-ish to say the least. Uh, but how far are we from that? I, I think that's something that, you know, we can we all need to, to look at, you know, uh, has it has it blown your guys' mind a little bit how easily the American public has had uh, or has been willing to um, go and and accept what these uh, governors have wanted to to do uh, in their states and how the media has uh, portrayed the people who say now wait a second I'm a free American. And they've painted them as being the enemy. Oh yeah, we, we were just talking about it off air, Dave. About how far will will the the American public let some of these governors push? Right? Yeah. And can they? Could this be used as some sort of uh, test? Hey, how far can we do this? How many rights can we take away from the uh, American citizens? Um, and I, I, I'll just I got a couple calls from. Um, some preachers and some pastors saying, "Hey, what what are the consequences of us having us of, of us having church on Sunday? What's going to happen to us?" So you tell well, you tell me, uh, Chris. We've had some states in uh, Louisiana and Michigan and up in the East Coast, and they've uh, they've incarcerated some pe- uh, preachers that broke the uh, the the no uh, you know meeting kind of rule, uh, no more than ten people or whatever. You know, and I don't know if governors have that type of authority. We we talked about it yesterday, Robert. Today at noon, on the east side of the state capitol, they're having a uh, a, a rally to say, "Open up our state." I mean, when you know, we got the people that are saying, "Yeah, they're they're part of that," uh, and then there's other people who look at them and say, "Those are a bunch of nut jobs." When is standing up for freedom been consideration that you're a nut job? Well, and indeed, interestingly, in the New York Times, they put out a very long editorial, which is uncharacteristic for them, saying we need to balance freedoms with the health concerns. Of course, then they don't answer. Well, everybody knows that. The debate that's going on now is whether or not the balance has been struck correctly. So yet again, the New York Times steps out on no limb at all in making a claim uh, of of nothing, because the claim is we need to evaluate these two competing concerns. We know that. How do you evaluate it? How, what is your conclusion? And I'll tell you one conclusion that I've arrived at and I've shared with your audience before, Dave, is that those in charge are the governor and the president. I don't need any petty potentate mayor telling me I can go out or I can't go out, because these mayors sit around twiddling their thumbs, looking to make themselves popular say, well, what can I do? I'm not in the news today. And so you get uh, people like de Blasio who couldn't do something right if he was given a script and a railroad track to stay on. And then you get uh, another mayor who I'm not terribly impressed with, uh, Mayor Scott here in Little Rock. I don't think either one of them has, has impressed the public with their actions. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Let me finish up with Cruz said he, he zeroed in on Hollywood, and rightly so. He said Hollywood is almost entirely bought and paid for by China now. It's such a big part of Hollywood if you're making a movie. You don't want to tick off China because it's too big a part of your global revenues, and so the great free speech warriors of Hollywood are perfectly happy to let China edit out portions of their movie they don't like. Wow, that's a strong, strong statement. That's that exactly is news to me, man. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead, Chris. Well, I, I'm stunned. I, that's news to me. So, so China um, has a has a plan, and they want to. Well, first of all, they're, they're snatching all of our intellectual property. They've got rooms full of people evaluating our patents that are filed, and they snatched this stuff with no consequences. I remember when this first started coming out, I was mad. At first I was mad at, at the Chinese people, right? But then uh-huh. I realized it's not the Chinese people, it's the Chinese government. It's the Chinese government that should be mad at. And yeah. um, when I talked about suing China, I said, let's find some people and sue China. And, the, and they said, oh, that's outrageous, you can't do that. But uh, the governor of Missouri, uh, the attorney general of Missouri is doing it. But um, yeah, I have no the idea they're in. Yeah, are they? Are they now? Are they integrating our movies? Are they funding the movies? Well, so yeah, of course they are. Positive light. That oh, that's that's been known for years. And let me tell you what: right where you live at in Conway at UCA, yeah, there's a they got a Confucius Institute there on the campus of UCA, and it has been shown now. Uh, Barr came out with a speech uh, about a month ago about this that they're using those uh, uh, college uh, Confucius Institutes to have a direct impact on the, the universities and the students, guys. That, that's what's going on. Interesting. We're out of time, guys. Got to let you go. I appreciate you being with me today. Uh, coming right. up in the next half hour, Matt hey, Smith's going to be You guys have a good day. All right. Uh, Sean Hannity coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Then uh, we'll turn our attention to uh, Matt Smith, and we'll talk movies with him right here. All right. 24 minutes till 9, and Matt Smith is with us. He's the guru of movies in central Arkansas, VIP cinemas in Hot Springs, in Little Rock, in Cabot, in Searcy, in Batesville. Uh, he's a man who believes in movies. He's a man who believes in uh, free enterprise, and uh, he's, a, he's a great voice for free enterprise. Uh, before I talk to you specifically about AMC, and, and well, let's go ahead and talk about that. Universal came out. They uh, they put out uh, the new Trolls movie and let people stream it. They made $100 million on it. And uh, they said, you know, we might do some other movies that way. Uh, show them, you know, at home through Streaming Plus. Show them at... Uh, uh, at theaters, and that's that's been something that has happened before, but not has not been. Uh, how do we put this one? Uh, warmly received by theater owners, and uh, just the other day, AMC came out and some of the other big theater owners and said, "Universal, you start releasing." Uh, what do they call it? value video on demand or something like that. Uh, you VOD, start premium video on demand. 
premium video on demand. There you go. If you start doing that for real, we will not show a universal uh, universal movie in our theaters. Why don't you kind of give us the background on this, Matt, because you're so well put uh, in on this so that we'll understand what's going on. Yeah, you know, not only will AMC not do that, uh, neither will Cinemark, neither will Regal, neither will Cineworld, neither will I. No one will. And so if Universal decides they're going to put a moot once movie theaters are open again, okay, which is, you know, everybody in the country should be open by July if we stay on the track we're on now. Once movie theaters are open again, if any distributor, Universal or anybody else, puts a movie uh, in somebody's house, home, video on demand, uh, the same day they expect it to play at movie theaters, it's not going to play at movie theaters, at which point uh, Universal will be gutted and start to bleed out and die, and they'll stop doing that and put movies back in the movie theaters. <laughs> or okay. the guy that's running Universal will lose his job. Um, you know, you can't reinvent the wheel. You can dress it up. You can change the rims. You can change the tires. Uh, you know, you can make it look better, but the wheel is the wheel. And uh, the movie business works in a certain way. You can't go out and make a movie like Star Wars or any of the Marvel Universe movies or Kong versus Godzilla or pretty much any big-budget major Hollywood release uh, that's going to play in cinemas. You can't make that kind of movie and put it in people's homes immediately and just disregard the global box office that comes from cinemas. Uh, you can't do that and continue to survive as a cinema and continue to um, uh, make movies and make movies like that. Now, there are some movies that are made that are strictly home home video movies. You know, they used to make them, and, and uh, you know, you'd find them in the bin at Walmart on the VHS tape, or they'd uh-huh. go straight to DVD. Now they just go to streaming. And, you know, all studios make that junk, and, and, and you'll see it released. Uh, but you're not going to see a movie like Mulan or Black Widow or Top Gun or, or uh, Dune uh, going that route. It, it, it can't be done. Studios okay. get out there, and they hem and haw, and they whine and they cry. And the things that they whine and cry about are their P&A costs. P&A costs meaning prints and advertising. And, of course, advertising is a worldwide push with TV and online marketing, etc., to get a movie aware in people's minds. And then in their print costs, that's the cost associated with getting a movie to a cinema and getting it on the screen. And it's not just the movie that's, you know, coming on the hard drive. It's also the salaries and pay and benefits of the employees that deal with exhibitors and other overhead costs that they have. So anytime some clown comes along and wants to start a new movie studio, maybe he's going to, you know, create something new out there like Annapurna, which is a new studio that started a few years ago. They think they're going to tweak that P&A model and do something different. But is it impossible? It is impossible to do that because the print and advertising costs, the advertising costs and the cost of getting that movie into cinemas brands that movie in the eyes of the public. And if you're lucky, it brands that movie in the eyes of the public for the future as you develop that into a franchise for other movie releases that will come along years later. And it also adds value for the downstream product, which is premium video on demand later, cable TV, broadcast TV, streaming services, what have you. Um, You know, I don't know what you watched at home lately, but you can't tell me 
uh, a memorable, a memorable experience over most of the films that you've watched at home. But you can tell me what happened when you saw Star Wars at a movie theater. Yes. Or when you saw Jaws at a movie theater. Or when you saw Indiana Jones and Last Crusade at a movie theater. Because going to the cinema makes it an event. It's not just the big screens and the comfortable seats and the awesome sound and, and, and the cool lighting and the awesome popcorn. It's the event of going to the cinema. And that, brand's that, that brand is stuck with you. That carries forward in your value proposition for the rest of your life. And that carries forward to the next movie that's released to theaters. That carries forward to the downstreams of home video. There's no other way to do that without putting those movies in movie theaters. Okay, so let me ask this question. We'll finish up this segment uh, talking about this. And that is, uh, you all are movie, or, you know, distributors, guys that are out there putting movies on the big screen, you're willing to kind of look the other way right now because we're in such a bizarre time. But is no, no, there a... No, t- tro- trolls, trolls did the money that it did for these reasons. There's nothing else to do right now. You right. can't leave your house. You've already been home for six weeks, and you've watched everything you want to watch on television. There's not even any sports on TV. So you put out this new movie that your kids haven't seen, and you can rent it at your house and give your kids something to do for two hours. They can't go to school. They can't play sports. They can't go to band practice. You can't leave your house. In any other circumstance, trolls would not have sold that much. You know, Uh there was nothing else to do. By the time Trolls was available, people had been sitting in the house for four to six weeks. They'd seen everything they wanted to see on Netflix and cable and broadcast TV. They couldn't even watch sports. They couldn't leave the house. They'd done read the books they wanted to read. So it's a one-time anomaly. It'll never happen that way again, right? All right. So let me let me ask this mm-hmm. question though: Movies that come out that the theaters they're not tentpole movies, so to speak. They're not Godzilla. They're not Star Wars. They're not Indiana Jones or whatever. Do you think the art house movies that their future lies in streaming? Do you think that's the case? Well, I mean, you're, you're talking about a, a ma- there, there, there is a bazillion movies. Between those two categories, you're talking about the low end and the high end. Okay. You know, you're talking about an art house movie at one extreme and a tentpole like Black Widow at the other extreme. There's so much material in between that, right? It doesn't really matter if you're talking about um, as far as in the mind of the public. It doesn't really matter if you're talking about a documentary about, I don't know, Hank Williams Jr., right, or the uh-huh. new Black Widow movie. There is something that imprints the value of that piece of product in the mind of the customer if it plays at movie theaters. If you just dump it straight to home video, it's you know what people say about it? Eh, wasn't good enough to play at the cinema. It's not yeah. that good. You know, that's okay. what people say. That, that, that's, that's the bottom line, right? Right. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you, can't, you can't change that. That's the way this business is done. It's going to continue to be done that way. First, you know, television was going to kill us, and you know, then, then, you know, then, then, uh, then it was going to be uh, VHS tapes, and then it was going to be cable TV, and then it was going to be satellite TV. Now it's streaming. It's not going to change. Home entertainment and movie cinemas are two very different businesses. They're two very different business models. Studios like Universal, Disney, Warner, who, uh, uh, all of them 
are not going to stop getting box office revenue from cinemas to get revenue from home viewing when they can continue as they have and still get both. Why would you do that? That makes <laughs> why, sense. Why would you not make all the money that you can make at the cinema and then put it at home and make that money, too, on premium video on demand? Then when it wears out in premium video on demand, put it on HBO or put it on Netflix or something. That's what they're doing now. That's what they're going to continue to do. This is an anomaly. Uh, that movie would not have hit home viewing as fast if the current president of Universal hadn't previously ruined Comcast. He's a cable yeah. TV guy. That's I know. why he made. That's why he made that move. Made um, change. But, but it's 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 not going to stand. Universal can't survive without box office revenue. You can't. But Universal can't. It, it, it's a double-edged sword. Movie cinemas cannot survive without the studios, but the studios cannot survive without them. I mean, you know, you're a Netflix guy. Did you watch that movie Extraction on Netflix? I did. Yeah, and you had one star in it, and it was shot on one street, and. All the guys he beat up, shot, and killed were the same five guys with masks on. Right. So he could use right. So I mean, you know, there was six people in that movie. Right? And it was a movie. It was a movie that was backed by India. Yeah, and it was crap. I mean, you know, it was home video crap. You could not have gotten that movie into movie theaters. I mean, it was essentially shot on one street. I mean, when he was in the apartment of his friend talking to his buddy, you could tell the wall was cardboard. I mean, come on, man. Right? The budget I'm of that movie went to the actor. And I got you. And it crap. And, I mean, that would have never gotten shown in a movie theater. Would have never qualified. It was a decent little straight-to-home video movie, right? So, you know, but, I mean, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? All I'm the scenes you. took place in one, one little city block there, you know? So, I'm I mean, that, that's, what, that's what you're talking about. That is not a movie cinema movie. Different product. All right, we're going to take a break. We've ate up half of our time, Matt. I want to come back and eat up the other half. Talking about China, Ted Cruz made an interesting statement the other day. I'm going to mention that to you again. I want you sure. to talk about it as well Absolutely. as Absolutely. if you don't think if you don't if people don't think China doesn't have influence, let me tell people what they changed in Top Gun, the new Top Gun movie that's coming out because of the Chinese. That's coming up in a moment on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with Matt Smith. Matt Smith owns uh, all of the independent, or most of the independent movie theaters here in central Arkansas, the VIP cinemas in Hot Springs, Little Rock, Cabot, Searcy, and now in Batesville as well. Senator Ted Cruz said this, uh, Matt, Hollywood is almost entirely bought and paid for by China. It's such a big part. If you're making a movie, you don't want to tick off the Chinese because it's too big a part of your global revenues. And so the great free speech warriors of Hollywood are perfectly happy to let China edit out portions of their movies uh, they don't like. For instance, in the 2018 Freddie Mercury biopic, Bohemian Rhapsody, which uh, was reportedly edited for Chinese audiences to eliminate subject matter related to Mercury's sexuality. And a story I hadn't heard until just now, Top Gun Maverick removed the Japanese and Taiwanese flags from Tom Cruise's uh, jacket so as not to anger China. 
Cruz stated that he has introduced legislation called the Script Act, which says if any Hollywood producer, if any movie maker lets the Chinese communist government censor or edit a film that they can't have access to our military, to our ships, to our planes, to everything they use to film movies like Top Gun. Those are strong words, and that's strong movement, but there's a lot of truth to what he's saying, Matt. Uh, well, you know, for one, uh, that little bill there that he's, gonna pa- that he's trying to get through is not going to pass. But, I mean, hey, it gives him something to say, but, you know, it's not going to pass. I mean, that's never going to become law. Um, but, you know, cool. gives him something to talk about. I'll say I totally agree with him, but he needs to understand that that's every American company. The National Basketball Association just did it recently. Yep. Um, Walmart, uh, Amazon, uh, Best Buy, KFC, McDonald's, Burger King, all American companies have investments in China. All American companies are expecting a lot of the revenue to come from China. Um, So, you know, I, I agree with what he's saying about Hollywood, but he needs to just take out the Hollywood word and replace that with all American businesses. Yeah, what do you think now Now that we've had the, the, the virus, the coronavirus, and yeah. we're pretty doggone sure, 99.9% right. sure that it all started in China and they let uh-huh. this out of their borders knowing that it would affect uh, the world. Okay. Uh, are businesses, do you think businesses will reassess or are they only going to reassess if uh, people who are outside of China start not buying those products? I, I, I don't understand it. I don't know why every time we say it, we don't say communist China. I mean, that's what it is. I agree. Communist China. CCP. I don't know why we do business with them. I don't know why China is not treated like the USSR and how we treated the Soviet Union during the Cold War. They're communists. They're building islands in the South China Sea. They're militarizing that zone. They're putting pressure on Taiwan and Hong Kong and and, and, and Japan and Vietnam. So I don't know why we do anybody does business with them. I don't know why they're not shut out like Russia was shut out. That's how we were able to win. You know, we made the we made the thought process of Russia's our friend, Russia's our buddy, which allowed Russia to take over Eastern Europe. Uh, and it's and you know, and build the atomic bomb. And then at one point people realized, hey, maybe they're not our friends. And the Cold War started. And because we stood strong during the Cold War, Russia eventually fell. Now, why do people make rattlesnakes their pets? I don't know. You can bring the rattlesnake <laughs> home, put it in the aquarium, feed it some mice and everything, and, you know, call that rattlesnake your pet. But, I mean, when it gets a chance, it's going to try to kill you. Yeah, so, it'll bite you just as well as it'll bite a rat, that's for it's, sure. It's, its purpose in life is to kill you. China's purpose in life is to kill us. So it's communist China. So why it's not treated that way, I have no idea. You know, I don't. I don't understand the weakness involved in this. You know, we, we, uh, we, we fought World War II. You know, we, we went over there to kill those people. Yeah. <laughs> we went over there to win the war. Right. I mean, why am I leaving the house today? Well, I'm going to kill some Germans. That's why I'm leaving the house. I mean, you know, right. why, you know, what's what's the point, right? You know, I'm going to kill the Japanese. This is a war. China's at war with us. Now, they're doing it through, you know, stealing our technology and taking taking our money and, ta- you know, t- 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 
taking things from our businesses and taking things from our government and corporate espionage, but nobody seems to realize that. They are an enemy, okay? Um, you know, irregardless of the virus, it, you know, before the virus was a thing, they were our enemy a year ago. They were our enemy 10 years ago. So, you know, I, I, I don't understand the stance on China. And you're right. You mentioned earlier in the program they've got over a million people there in concentration camps. You yep. know? Why do they get a pass on that? I don't understand it. Yeah, I'm with you on that as as well. And, uh, you know, I mentioned to you uh, during the break that one of the things that broke down the Soviet Union is that the people in the Soviet Union wanted everything westernized. And it was our movies and our music that took that to them. Now we would like to do that in China as well, except that the Chinese are changing the rules of the game by changing everything that is shown in their own country so you don't form it, that unrest of seeing what real freedom uh, is all about. Matt, it's always a pleasure, brother. You got you got a final word? Go ahead. Oh, hey, no. I mean, we're hoping to open the cinemas back up on May the 11th. That's our target date to get some movies on screen so people can come out. So, uh, you know, we're looking at a week from Monday, you know, 10 days from today. That's when we're hoping to be back on screen. All right. We appreciate you, brother. We'll talk to you. We'll uh, find out what movies are going to show next week. Thanks so much. We appreciate you. you. See you next Friday. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm done for today. I'll be back with you again on Monday at 6 a.m. Let me remind you that God gave you a whole week of life. You give him at least an hour on Sunday to find out what he has to say to you. You can do it on YouTube and you could stream it on Facebook or whatever, but spend some time worshiping the King. I'll talk to you on Monday, 6 a.m. here on the Dave Ellswick Show.